0: So welcome in to the Backroads Podcast. This is the week, what are we in, Bobby? Week 11 now? Or week 12? Yeah. What are we going to call this? Final final regular season week. Hey, I like that. I don't have to come up with a number then. We'll just say this is the Backroads Podcast final regular season pod that we got coming at you before the playoffs start. And it was a wild and crazy Thursday and Friday night. Lots of really good games out there. Games deciding, playoff pairings. And we had weather impacting a lot of these games so i can't can't wait to talk about that but uh let's get started i'm craig spear with the happy sports network and i'm bobby brown with texas 1a fan well and bobby we talked about the weather uh want to tell folks we got kyle timmons the head coach of fallette coming up as well but real quickly it was amazing i sent a video out on twitter about the snow in the texas panhandle and i don't remember where you were at but you said it was 86 with a 60 mile an hour wind
1: Oh, I was down in, uh, let's see, Fort Stockton, because I had gone to (laughs) Balmoray. And, um, yeah, the wind was blowing ridiculous. It was hot. And then I got a text about Milford taking cover because there was a tornado warning. And I'm thinking, okay, tornado warning, snow. I mean, it, it all comes together when it's time for playoffs.
0: It was an unreal time up here, but let's get things started. Uh, we caught up with head coach Kyle Timmons over at Fallett and to get his thoughts not only on his uh, Panther team that's headed to the playoffs as the District One a champions, but uh, getting ready for the by district round. So next up here on the Backroads Podcast is a head coach for a team that is going into the playoffs on a roll, and that is head coach Kyle Timmons up at Fallett. Coach, welcome in this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Craig. So you guys pick up a big victory Friday night over McLean, one that you needed. Uh, you take that victory seventy to twenty-four. Just talk about your team's uh, uh, ability to get those victories in what's really a very pretty even district, but one that you definitely have stood out in as the best team there in District One One A.
2: Our our guys uh, have definitely found a way, uh, you know, early in the season um, and really the history of Follette You know that all these. Past players talk about, you know, we really struggled with uh, spread offenses on our defense, and uh, but man, these guys have really worked hard, and uh, we've adjusted some things here and there. You know, just speaking to this district, all, all of these kids are working class, come from working class families, and we knew that nothing would be given to us, and you know, and it, and it, all the way to the end of the district. You know, McLean. We jumped out on them, thirty-two to zero, and they had no quit in them. They scored sixteen unanswered, and another touchdown late in the second, and put twenty-four points up real quick. And uh, it it was the same way throughout the whole district, though. You know, we it was just hard fought, and and you know we had to be on our A game to get out of the game early.
0: And, and when you talk about your team, you know, Coach Andy Copley last year, it was definitely. Five yards in a cloud of dirt, that's how he wanted to run the offense. But you've tried to ex- expand that offense out a little bit, add a little more passing game into that. Tell me about the philosophy of trying to expand the offense a little bit. Do you feel like that can potentially have a uh, give the Panthers an opportunity to go further in the playoffs? I think it could.
2: We definitely have got better at uh, some spread concepts. Um, however, there, there's no way I, I could just uh, come in in a race, you know, what Andy and people before him even have uh, instilled in the clock management mentality type of team. And, uh, you know, we still have big physical guys. I want to be uh, definitely, and you know, I'm a, I'm a run first type of guy. I want to run the ball, but I know against certain teams, uh, some that we've already played on our schedule, we have to be able to pass the ball a little bit, spread the field a little bit. And so we can, uh, you know, and it, and it's all about, uh, and especially now, what our opposition is going to see on film, the more they have to prepare for that, tougher it makes makes it on them. So uh, we we really want to be uh, going into playing Nazareth this week. We want to be uh, as balanced as we can be.
0: Understood. Now I got I got to joke with you here a little bit, Coach. The over-under on the game time for that going four quarters is an hour and a half. I don't see that game lasting very long between you and Nazareth.
2: I tell you, if, uh, if we can come out on top of that, I would be grateful. And, <laughs> and I, I just don't uh, – those guys, they're big and physical. They scare me a little bit. I've been watching film, obviously, for two full days now. And I think we we have a pretty good idea what we want to do. But um, I know they're going to change some things as well. It's going to be cold and windy, as I understand. So, yeah, uh, we'll see if that plays a factor in the game. You know, we, n- neither of us may be able to throw the ball. And we got to take that into consideration. So,
0: no, you're, you're correct there. Hey, I want to talk about your defensive line. Uh, Justin Umbert, Oscar Torres up there, lead a really big physical front. And to me, really makes a difference uh, for that defense. Talk about those guys up front for you.
2: Justin Umbert is—I uh, mean, he is just a force. Thankfully, we have that kid back next year. And uh, Oscar Torres—he's obviously a big senior captain. He is a—he's uh, more of a silent leader, but a bigger leader for us in the weight room. I mean, that that kid—he's one you have to push out of there each day. And uh, but—and uh, when you hit him, you know, you know it. it, it, it he's just one of those kids, and. And uh, th- those two up front for us are, we couldn't have the success that we have without them for sure.
0: When you talk about seniors, it seems like if you ever need a play, you simply turn to your senior, Shane Franks. Talk about what he means for that Panther team.
2: Shane is uh, man, he He's probably, uh, and you know, I'm talking with a few different guys, Perryman, uh, people like that, that have seen better talent, you know, in Westbrook and everything. And, and he, he, even he agrees that that Franks is one of the best backs he's seen in the past couple of years. His speed uh, definitely changes the game for us, and you know we have the guys up front that get him the room he needs to get past that first that first level, and uh, he he typically is he does very well taking it from there. I, I just um, he's another senior, you know, and we're we're going to hate to lose him. We we we're going to lose three incredible seniors. And not only talent wise, but leader wise. And but man, those guys have done so much for our program, uh, for our younger guys, w- what they have to look up to, and and follow. And man, I just uh, I'm grateful to have them.
0: One other player to touch on is David Meeks. He he doesn't necessarily fit. Uh, The at mold, he's a little shorter, uh, but quick, Um, not as big as typically what we see out of Panther players. But I think he's really giving you a different dynamic for your offense.
2: He has it. And, you know, if I had to point to a spread back, you know, and and we haven't used him anymore. But uh, I don't know if I just have labeled him our spread back, but he definitely has everything you want in a spread back and the kid is, uh, he's about my height. We're both short. We're about five foot nine. And, uh, he he's maybe, I think he's beefed up to about one sixty right now. (laughs) So he's not, not a very big kid, but he will surprise you with his strength in the weight room. And, and he's a, he's a gifted athlete, you know, that, that kid, he can, he can grab the rim with both hands, you know, so to be that short and that, that powerful, uh, is a great thing. He also, um, you know, he gives us a dynamic in the passing game. He can he can see downfield, and he can also choose when to run and when to pass, you know, and he can make you miss, too, as well as break tackles.
0: I want to go off the field, too, because you're coaching up there now with your brother as an assistant coach. How much fun is that?
2: <laughs> that's, uh, that's an awesome deal. I know uh, when I took this job, Andy – took me up up there to um, interview with Jamie and him. And, you know, we had a guy coming from San Antonio. Well, the morning that I was supposed to leave for an interview, he called and said, Hey, guy's wife said, there's no way we're moving to Follett, Texas from San Antonio. (laughs) So he said, do you know of anybody? And I said, I think I do. Um, Let me make a call. And he said, you call your, your people, I'll call mine. And we uh, literally set up the interview for that, next morning and we all met up there and and it was uh, and it's a great deal growing up we uh, Casey he has a uh, twin nephews that are in the eighth grade very good athletes and he has uh, one of my my niece she's a seventh grader she's going to be really well and help the girls program do really well so not only was I able to get Casey hired and work with my brother but I have my nephews and niece up here and that they're going to help us out tremendously in athletics. So, I mean, it was uh, it was a double whammy. Uh, and not to mention his wife, Cricket. She, she's definitely the better half of him.
0: I want to follow up with that, though. So, two brothers coaching on the same team. Now, do you guys, like, have Indian wrestling at some point in time in the locker room just to prove to the boys that, you know <laughs> – hey, this is how this thing works, or, 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 or how, how does that work?
2: Well, Casey, he doesn't want any of me in the wrestling room. I know <laughs> that. And th- those years left a long time ago. He used to woo me around pretty good growing up. I, I grew up to be a little bigger than him, and I think we've settled our differences, even though he he's probably quite a bit quicker than I am right now, but I got the inside game. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> Speaking of mo- moving to Follette, Texas, how has that worked out for you?
2: I love Follett. I grew up on a ranch and so the small town life suits me a lot better. And my wife, Natalie, she's from a small town in Virginia. So we love it. I mean, and it's just a great community. Casey, you know, I get to work with him, but I also have an awesome assistant coach who happens to be a local there from Follett named Michael Howard. It's just been a, a great match and and we've done really well. We, we work well, with each other, and that community has been nothing but accepting of the Timmons family.
0: Well, Coach, we do appreciate you joining us this, this afternoon. I know you got a carload of kids, so we'll, we'll let you get back to those. But we do appreciate. Best of luck to the Panthers on a Friday night as you take on Nazareth in the by district playoffs.
2: Appreciate you guys. Thank you for all you do for our kids.
0: Really good interview there with with Coach Timmons. He's just a good guy.
2: Yeah, he is.
1: It, that was a lot of fun. He's a fun. He's a fun guy. That's the first time I talked to him.
0: Yeah, me me too. I've. uh You know, socialized with him a lot uh, via phone, but uh, first time I visited with him, so do appreciate him joining us today, and you know, let's get to it. We'll start in uh, Division One, District One, where things were all crazy, and really this district came down to Follett wins, Miami wins, they're both in, and life is really good, but there were so many things at play there, and I thought for a little bit they might come into play, but... First off, Follett took care of McLean in this one, 70-24. to 24. Shane Franks, who we talked about, 236 yards rushing, 6 touchdowns, 11 tackles. So Follett took care of business, and they got that one done pretty quickly. So we knew they were going to be the district champions, but then that left us with Miami and White Deer playing on a snow-covered field. Yes, it was snow-covered there. I can tell you, sitting in the stands at Claude, which is uh, just a little bit west of White Deer, it, Bobby. I'm. A, I i do not know that I've ever been colder in the stands in my life. It was just <laughs> brutal. So I can imagine what it was like on the field. But uh, White Deer, after uh, getting a quick lead in this ball game, they fall in it, 37 to 26 to uh, Miami. Hayden Thompson, 223 yards rushing, two touchdowns, 116 yards through the air. So. Follett and Miami both make the playoffs but uh, boy Miami had to hang on there and the game was 31 to 26 White Deer had the ball just couldn't do anything with it before Miami got the ball back and scored to kind of put that one away. Over in District 2, happy no problem with Claude 64 to 6. Uh, the Cowboys were up 16 0 on Will Dorado, 115 into the game. Well, they were up 16 to nothing on Claude, 215 into the game. So uh, getting these games done early. Camden Sperry, four passing touchdowns, three of those to Kytan Johnson. Nori Juarez, uh, they decided to give him the ball two times, and he said, Well, if I'm going to be out here, I'm going to score. So he scores two touchdowns in those uh, 97 yards there. And it was Nazareth all over Will Dorado, 66 to 7. So happy and Naz going to the playoffs. In District 3, a showdown there, Spring Lake, Earth, and Crest, and it was Spring Lake Earth coming out on top ninety to forty-two. That makes the Wolverines the district champions. And uh Crest is now out of the playoffs and Petersburg is in. Also in that district, Lorenzo and an L biter over Anton 29 to 26. I'm
1: very happy to see that Lorenzo, you know, won that game.
0: In district four Boy, what a game we had. Number 9 versus number 10, Knox City versus Spur. Spur. And this game was close for a while, but Knox City finally uh, kind of uh, pulls away, and they win this one 32-8. Caleb Arrieta, 104 yards rushing and a touchdown. Bryson Callaway, 85 yards passing, two touchdowns. Also had 51 yards on the ground and a score. Corey Hamilton for Spur found the uh, the ground game difficult there for the uh, Bulldogs. 15 carries for 51 yards. Ryan Davis, 10 carries for 40 yards. Gunner Bateman on the defensive side. Great game for him. Ten tackles and a pick six. So, Knox City is your district champ. Spur is your runner-up out of District 4. Let's move down. Oh, also in that district, Valley takes out of Vernon Northside 60-12. to I would imagine a little bit of frustration going out in that ball game for the Patriots after all they have dealt with this year. District Five, another showdown there for playoff rights. Whiteface and O'Donnell, and it was Whiteface coming out on top, sixty-two to thirty-six. Ethan Kaufman, two hundred and eighty-eight yards rushing, six touchdowns, and yeah, like this is—I love this name, Julio Brunda. It just Brunda. It's, it's it football.
1: rolls off the tongue. It, it does. Yeah.
0: 13 carries, 112 yards, two touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown for the Screaming Eagles. Uh, Caden Hernandez, 12 carries, 136 yards, and two touchdowns. Also in that district, uh, Coach Connor over at Meta gets a win over Wellman Union, 80-13. to 13. District 6 saw a nail-biter between Van Horn and Fort Davis. The Eagles of Van Horn come out on top 70-64. to Cy si Garcia, 158 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. Elijah Gaines, 136 yards through the air and three scores. And Ethan Hanosa, four receptions. Get this, four receptions, 153 yards. All four receptions, all four touchdowns. That is making the most use of when you get the ball. 4-4 Davis, Elian Treviso, 17 carries, 189 yards and four touchdowns. And Adrian Chavez and Kevin Perez each had a scoop and score there for the Indians. But Van Horn wins that one at 70-64. And Buena Vista over Marfa, 56-8. So that brings us to District 7, Bobby. A game I know you were at. You helped call this one, and it was the Rankin Red Devils over the Garden City Bearcats, sixty to thirty-six. And I'm going to turn it over to you because it sounds like this was just a an absolute war on the field.
1: It was. Oh my gosh, it was. It was brutal. Uh, they just they just took each other out. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the beginning of the game, Garden City had a really rough time getting going on their offense but let me tell you their defense was running but they I think that we ended up with that game Um, three starters on Rankin's team were injured and three starters on Garden City's team were injured and so I mean they just beat the heck out of each other it was it, it was great defense it you could tell that they were putting every single thing they had into every minute on that field, both sides, both Rankin and Garden City. And it was just, it was a wonderful game to watch. But like I said, you know, both of those teams have some big boys. They're great athletes and they just beat each other up.
0: Wow. So that's number seven, Rankin, over number four, Garden City, 60-36. to 36. I didn't have any stats for Rankin, but Garden City, Logan Seidenberger, 13 of 28 for 229 and two touchdowns. Big man John Lopez, 121 yards receiving, 13 and a half tackles. And I know for Rankin, you told me that Blake Wise played really well at the quarterback position for the Red Devils.
1: He played out of his mind. Um, you know, I watched Rankin play a couple of games, but I mean, he was on point the entire four quarters, and he had that offense running on all cylinders, and it was an it was a great thing to watch. Um, but you know, shout out to Blake Wise, Rankin Red Devils, he did a great job.
0: That's great. Also, in that district, Borden County, uh, they defeat Grady seventy nine to forty six. So we talk about Rankin and Garden City. Why is that important? Because when we get to District 8, the winner of that district is the Westbrook Wildcats. They win it over Rotan, 48 to nothing. Stop me if you've heard this. Cedric Ware, four carries, 93 yards, two touchdowns. Grayson Jeffrey with 58 yards and a touchdown. The loser of that Ranking Garden City game now has to play Westbrook. And that is, you know, especially if you're banged up, that is really tough to do. And I'm sure Westbrook is sitting there at the same time. I know Homer Matlock, and he's like, well, you know, it's no cupcake for us having to play the loser of that game as well.
1: Well, that's true because you know when uh when they played, I think they they pretty much brutalized each other as well and Garden City came out on top. So um they're gonna play this week and I'm I'm actually planning on being at that game.
0: That should be a fantastic ball game. Also there in District Eight, it was Highland over Roby fifty eight to twelve. And then the battle for the number two position, and Ira the Bulldogs come out on top of Hermley, 38 to 24. Brighton Partain, 112 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. So Westbrook and Ira come out of District Eight. Down. Well, to- you
1: know you got to watch out on Hermley next year. Let's remember this because they're young.
0: Well, you know, Coach Winters will have them ready.
1: He will. He will. But, you know, Ira came out on top, so congratulations to the Bulldogs.
0: They did. Move down to Region 3 and District 9. It was Bryson and a close one over Baird, 38-32. to 32. Gordon, no problem with pairing seventy six 76-29. And Gorman over Lingleville, 83-35. to 35. Gordon and Gorman, that's not easy to say back-to-back, back, are the uh, representatives there out of District 9. District 10, Union Hill, Uh, Takes out the Campbell Indians and Coach Pritchard there, 45 to nothing. Devin Espinosa, 91 yards on the ground, four touchdowns. Jake Bass had 80 yards rushing and a touchdown as well. Also, St. Joe defeats Savoy, 56 to nothing. And so uh, Union Hill and St. Joe will be the representatives out of District 10. District 11 saw Covington over three-way, 73 to 26. Uh, In District 12, Abbott all over Golson, 56 to nothing. And I will tell you how easy this was for Abbott. Riley Sestala didn't have the best stats. So Carson Johnson put those up, 62 yards uh, on the ground on three carries, two touchdowns and a passing touchdown. They held the Wildcats to 19 total yards. And also in that district, Penelope. A, uh, a single in the bottom of the first inning held up as they defeated Coolidge one to nothing. No, really they got a, a forfeit there. Uh District 13, and that's in region four. Erion County over very best, 46 to nothing. Trevin Kofell, 195 yards passing, three touchdowns, Jordan Harrison, seventy five yards rushing, two scores, seventy five yards receiving, and a touchdown as well. And Menard takes out Eden sixty four to thirty one. District 14, Jonesboro over Event, 63 to nothing, and Lamita beats Santa Ana 58 to 40. District 15, Leverage Chapel, 70, Burkeville 20, and Chester over High Island, 58 to 8. And then we'll finish up in District 16, where Medina defeated Nueces Canyon 62 to nothing. So that's a look at everything in Division 1. Let's move to Division II and a game Thursday night that I went to, Silverton and Headley. It was the Battle of the Hoot Owls going on there in Silverton. And uh, it was the Red and White Hoot Owls winning this one, 62-34. This game was back and forth. Headley was hanging into it before Silverton was able to pull away in the second half. And uh, a crazy play in this one, Bobby, where the kicker, or the as Headley went back to punt, I can't tell you for sure whether it was a 100% block. But he punted it about five yards right to his own man, who just took off downfield. And uh, the 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 referee was uh, hilarious because he walked over to Coach Hearn and he goes, "Coach, we got a crazy one here."
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: Silverton got the ball back on that one. But it it was uh, it was one of those games that just had some very odd moments in it. So Silverton, <laughs> I love.
1: Yeah. I love those kind of games. They're great.
0: It was definitely a, a six-man game when I looked at it from that perspective. And then uh, also in that district, LaFour's over there is at 57-7. So Groom is the district champ. Silverton, by virtue of that win over Headley, will take the number two spot. District 2, wow, what a ball game. And you and I talked about it. Amherst is better than people realize and they just kind of flying under the radar. We've not really talked about them. It took everything Whit Harrell had to beat them, twenty-four to twenty. Shamondrick Weaver, one hundred sixty-nine r- yards rushing and three touchdowns. So Whit Herald, number one. Amherst, number two. And I, I just let me ask you this, Bobby. I Amherst, one of those teams that is going to scare people in the playoffs.
1: I think so. Uh, you know, they're they're a relative unknown. I mean, we know who Amherst is, of course, but but no one's been paying attention to them. At all. And then, you know, we talked about this last week, how someone's going to jump up and and bite you if you don't watch it. And I think Amherst has got those characteristics.
0: That they definitely do. Uh, also in that district, Hart over Cotton Center, 73-13. to 13. Hart played better this year. That was good to see there. Uh, district 3, a game that you were at, and Coach Jones and the Balmeray Bears take out Sanderson, 66-26. You got to see the man himself, Tomas Contreras, carry the ball 28 times, 263 yards, three touchdowns. He was also 3 of 5 through the air for 59 yards and a score as well. Landon Lopez uh, joining with 108 yards rushing on the ground and three touchdowns for Sanderson. Jeremiah Ramirez, 14 of 33 through the air, 181 yards passing, two touchdowns, four untimely interceptions, and he had 53 yards rushing as well. Talk to us about that Balmoray sanderson game that we were all looking forward to.
1: Well, you know, when Sanderson kicked off, there's a kid who just started playing a few weeks ago for the Bears, and I got to give him a shout-out because he he really impressed me. His name is Elijah Jefferson. And he got a hold of that ball, and he just took it to the house. I mean, it took 1.4 seconds. (laughs) 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 But then what was surprising, actually, for me is that Sanderson turned around and did, and on the first play, they took it to the house about 60 yards. And that was Ryan Darkus. But that, from then on, Balmoray, they just, their defense is just so solid. It was really, really hard for Sanderson to get anything going uh, because of that bare defense. But, you know, they hung in there, it went the whole four quarters. And got to say, give a shout out to the Eagles of Sanderson. They never gave up. I mean, they tried their hardest. And and so uh, both of those teams are now in the playoffs, and it'll be fun to watch them, see how far they go.
0: It will. We'll move to District 4. Klondike over Wilson, 56 to nothing. So Klondike will move on in the playoffs. Down in Region 2, District 5, it was Jayton over Patton Springs, 56-0. And a battle for number two between Motley County and Aspermont. And, and looky there, uh, everybody uh, buried the Matadors early in the season, but Coach Biggums got them back in the playoffs. 64 to 16 but coach biggum may look at this and go yeah but my christmas gift is the benjamin mustangs he goes i I don't know about that but well and you know
1: i was we'll talk about you know where they're playing and whatever but um it seems like uh coach biggum said you know go go hard or go home and I think they flipped home and home and and lost that flip
0: (laughs) well hey you know you got to try and get advantage of everything you can so Motley County will be the number two team out of district five over in district six Benjamin, no problem with uh, Kroll 60 uh, sorry 46 to nothing. And hey, the Harold Hornets pick up a victory. They're first on the season. They beat Chillicothe 44 to 26. So it's good to see that. Believe it or not, Harold and LaForce both winless heading into uh, uh, Friday night's action, and both of them get off the schneid in the final week of the regular season. District seven saw Throckmorton over Rule 62-12, and looters of Oka over Paint Creek 58-46. District 8, Goldberg over fifty-five 55-40 in Newcastle. No problem with Forsberg, 50 to nothing. It's going to be odd to see the playoffs and no strong Greyhounds in it.
1: Well, yeah, and I talked to Coach uh, Lee, and he said that, you know, every game those kids got better and better and better. And, you know, he basically started over, with, you know, from scratch. He lost a lot of players last year, but – but, you know, he's going to mold those young men. And don't be surprised if you see the Greyhounds rearing that head up
0: next year in 2023. Well, we'll be looking for that from the Greyhounds for next year. Coming out of District 8, uh, Newcastle and Gold for this year. Region 3, District 9, it was Oakwood, the Panthers, all over Fannendale, 80-32. to 32. That guy, Zach Nickerson, 10 carries, 100 even yards. He decided to stop right there at 100 yards. Six touchdowns of those 10 carries. So on the season now, Nickerson with over 2,400 yards rushing and 56 touchdowns, amazing. Micah Reed, 96 yards receiving and two touchdowns as well. And then also in that district, Trinidad over Apple Springs, 25 to 12. District 10, one of my favorite teams here. We got to talk about the Morgan Eagles, don't we? Oh yeah, we do. Yeah, we come do. on,
1: say it. Let's I feel do like it. We need this song
0: playing in the background. <laughs> I think we do. Rico <laughs> Suave, Adrian Vera, Rico to his family and friends. Eleven carries, 153 yards and three touchdowns. EJ Ovulus, nine carries, 75 yards, three touchdowns, five of seven through the air, another 133 yards and two touchdowns. So the Morgan Eagles headed to the playoffs out of that district. And uh, I'm
1: also- wondering if. His friends and family now call him <laughs> Rico Suave if they listen to this
0: podcast. <laughs> uh, well, it's possible. He may be sitting out there going, I wish that guy would shut up. I've never met him. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you might. You never know. It
0: is possible. It's possible. Also in District 10, Bynum over corporal 48 to nothing. District 11, Oglesby headed to the playoffs. They take care of Buckhold, 66 to nothing. And a Bluff, uh, sorry, yeah, that's District 11. District 12, Bluffdale, no problem with Walnut Springs, 50 to nothing. And Iredale over Cranfield's Gap, 86 to 50. So Bluffdale and Iredale headed to the playoffs there. Region 4, District 13, it was Blackwell taking out the Gorillas from Trent. No, they're not really Gorillas. They're just called the Trent Gorillas. 86-22. to 22, And Lorraine, no problem with Bront, 66-18, to 18, as they welcome back A.J. Williams. And I'm sure that will help uh, the Bulldogs here in the playoffs. District 14, Panther Creek takes out Paint Rock. I hate when these uh, two town names play each other because I keep thinking I'm going to mess up when I read the names, Bobby. But it's Panther Creek beating Paint Rock 29-20. to 20. Also, And you know,
1: they're not very far away from each other.
0: No. No they're not they're
1: just they're just down the road from each other
0: yeah no it, it's lots of fun as i travel the uh the backroads of texas it seems like i'm always traveling to austin or san antonio it's always fun to go through those little towns and go hey there's a town I'm talking about. Now I know exactly where it's at. So that's always fun and always looking for the stadium lights as well as I go through. Uh, also in that district, Rising Star defeats Moran 1 to nothing. Uh, district 15, Sydney, no problem with Gastine, 70 to 25. And in a great ball game in District 15, it was Zephyr the Bulldogs. So Zephyr wins this one 39 to 30. And we've got to talk about Zephyr for just a minute. This is a team right. that won one game in the last two years. They were winless last season, and now here they are, district champions in district fifteen. Trip Ballard, he had eleven carries for 123 yards and a touchdown. Jaden Milliken, twenty-three carries, ninety nine yards, and three touchdowns. They defeat the Blanket Tigers and Coach Cherry there. Uh, Levi Vasquez, four-blanket, 19 carries, 173 yards and two touchdowns. And Braden Day was carrying the ball all day, 30 carries, 165 yards. But a great battle there between the Zephyr and Blanket. Both of those teams headed to the playoffs. And uh, so good to see that. You know, I think that is a great testament to – just because you go 0-10 this season or 1-9 or 2-8, and 8, that does not mean that the next season is going to be bad as well. And Zephyr proving that. Uh, Coach Phillips doing a really good job turning that uh, program around, around there in his fourth season with the Bulldogs.
1: Definitely. Uh, wow. Uh, listen to Craig, folks, when he says that if you're on the losing streak – you know, 8, 10, what, 9 months later, you can actually be 9-1 and one like Zephyr.
0: Uh, let's finish things up. Cherokee in District 16, no problem with uh, loan, 70 to nothing. And then uh, Rochelle takes out Brooke Smith, 51 to 6. Good to see Brooksmith able to get back on the field to finish out the season. So that wraps up everything in District 1 and District 2. And so now we get to the part that everybody wants to talk about to Bobby. And that is the playoffs, and boy, yes. do we have some good matchups out there. And we'll start in Division One, up in Region One, Follett and Nazareth, part of a doubleheader in White Deer Friday night uh, uh, at five o'clock. Happy in Miami play, and that's followed up by Follett and Nazareth. That should be a good ball game. Also, uh, Knox City plays Petersburg Friday night over in Jayton, and a Thursday night game, Spring Lake Earth and Spur doing battle. So, uh, those are your representatives up in. Uh, Division one region one, Region two, Whiteface taking on Van Horn Friday at six o'clock over in Rankin. Speaking of Rankin they're gonna play a Grady uh, they're gonna play Ira and Grady. I'll get it right in a minute. Uh, that one's Friday night at seven o'clock and then two 730 matchups Westbrook and Garden City. Holy cow, and that beautiful stadium there in Robert Lee. That will be a great matchup. And then Buena Vista and O'Donnell doing battle at 730 over at uh, Borden County. And, boy, that that is just – that's a tough region. You look at it, I think Whiteface is better than people realize. Ira's a good ball club. But the strength of that region is Westbrook, Garden City, and Rankin. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out there. Moving down to Region 3, Gordon. Uh, Takes on St. Joe, that one Friday night in Pista at 7 o'clock. Blum and Aquila doing battle Thursday in Rio Vista. Abbott and Milford also Thursday night at 7 o'clock over in Italy. And Union Hill and Gorman battling it out Friday night at 6 o'clock in Ferris. And the big question when you look at Region 3, I think, is can anybody challenge Abbott? I I think Gordon might have a shot, maybe Union Hill there, but it's going to be tough. The Spider Monkeys and Coach Crawford are really good there in Region 3.
1: I, I think Gordon will have the best shot. Uh, truthfully, Gordon will, and they're very young, so I don't know how they'll hold up against the spider monkeys, but um, I hate to correct you, but you know, just like Miami is Miami, and not Miami, it's Italy.
0: Italy. There we go. Yes. Italy. Yes. All right. Well, we'll get it right then.
1: <laughs> hey, you know, people, you know how oh. small towns are. you got to say that stuff right. And if you don't, they're going to get on you. So I'm just trying to save you a little heartache
0: there. <laughs> I promise you, if you say Miami in Miami, they're going to run you out of town. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> In Region 4, it's Erion County in May. Oh, this ought to be a great game. Thursday night at 7 o'clock there at uh, Robert Lee. What a great place to hold a a, a football game. You and I went there last year to watch our Water Valley play uh, against May there, and that is just a fantastic facility for football. Uh, Leverage Chapel and Lakey doing battle Friday night at 5 o'clock, part of a doubleheader there at Holy Trinity and Temple, uh, followed by Medina and Chester. And then Thursday night, Jonesboro starts their quest to take on Menard. That one uh, going on in Blanket at 7 o'clock. So, you know, you look at Region 4, and I think, uh, you know, Jonesboro, obviously, I think is going to be the favorite because they defeated May. But I have a feeling May or Erion County are going to have something to say about that before we're all said and done.
1: You know, that, that May and Erion County game, that's such an interesting matchup. I th- that's one that I'm like I I don't know what's going to happen I uh, yeah I mean we know how tough May is I've watched Erie County they're pretty tough um so that may be just one of the better matchups kind of like Garden City Rankin was um that's going to be a good matchup uh, over there in Robert Lee and what you're saying about Robert Lee they're outstanding hosts
0: Yes, they really are. They def- great facilities. It it definitely is beautiful place for some six man of football. So that's a look at Division One, the By District round. Let's go to Division Two. There in Region One, Groom and Amherst doing battle Friday night at six o'clock at Lockney. This is a rematch. Amherst uh, took down Groom by about 30 points earlier in the regular season, so that will be interesting. Balmure and Loop doing battle Thursday night at 6.30 in Garden City. Klondike and a Sanderson, that should be a good ball game. Ball game Friday night at 7 30 over in Erion County and Whitharell and Silverton another rematch where Silverton won 34 to 27 stopped Whitharell at the goal line as time expired that one Friday night at eight o'clock in Lockney part of that doubleheader with Groom and Amherst and you know you look at this region and we talked about Amherst Groom started 0 and 5 they're now 5 and 5 you can never count the Tigers out but Balmeray's in here. Whit Herald's in here. This should be a really interesting uh, division uh, or region to see who comes out on this one.
1: No, I'm gonna pick Balmeray. I mean, after watching the defense, I it, oh, it's it's quite it's something to behold. And Balmeray doesn't talk a lot. They sit down there quietly, working away, and then they. I like to say that they they're real quiet until the first play when they jump up and just punch you in the mouth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it's going to be interesting they uh we'll check that out and uh, looking forward to that region there region two uh some definite powerhouses in this one jayton and paducah doing battle that should be a good ball game that one thursday night at seven o'clock over in benjamin throckmorton battling with goldberg that one's friday night at seven o'clock over in oldney newcastle and rule coach archer's got his team in there they are the winners out of district eight they will take on rule Thursday night at 7.30 in Throckmorton. And Benjamin in Motley County, we talked about that one. That one Friday night at 7.30 in Benjamin. And, you know, when you look at this region, it's hard to pick anybody other than Benjamin to potentially take this one. But, you know, I think Jayton or Paducah could potentially have something to say about that. But we saw what Benjamin already did, Paducah in district. I just think it's going to be tough for anybody to come out of this district not named Benjamin.
1: We'll see. I, I will see, and I, I kind of tend to lean that way as well. But uh, one thing that I'm wondering about Benjamin, and I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but I'm going to, because you know I'm just feeling sassy today, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we'll see how Benjamin does against the team that actually that plays together as a a one unit. Right. Um, you know how. Uh, A big difference, that is, when uh, you face a team that is one unit.
0: Let's go down to Region 3 and Division 2. And, you know, if you look at all eight regions that we're talking about, Division 1, Division 2, this might be the most wide-open region out there. It took me forever to figure out who I thought might win this one. So let's look at it. Top half of the bracket, Oakwood and Bynum doing battle Friday night at 730 oglesby and Iredell, seven o'clock friday night at valley mills in the bottom half bluffdale and calvert 6 30 over in jonesboro on friday night and morgan that's right rico suave in the gang gonna take on a Dell friday night at seven o'clock at irving nimitz okay first of all morgan has to win because we just got to keep bringing up uh, adrian vera ricos uh, in this uh in this podcast
1: well, you know, I'm gonna allow you to go ahead and keep saying that name. Okay. You know? well, Actually, it just makes me laugh because because <laughs> it's right. It's so point. It's on point. So. It is.
0: It is. But when you look at this region, I mean, you, you look at all four of the district winners, and none of them played what I would call this brutal schedule. So you're trying to figure out who's done what. Bluffdale has played Cherokee. They did go four quarters with them. That was uh, only a forty-point game in their loss there. You know, does that give Bluffdale a little bit of an advantage? I don't know. This is a wide-open region.
1: It it kind of is. Um, I I hate that Oakwood and Oglesby is there at the top because you know if they they outlast Bynum and Iredell, then they're going to face each other because I think those are two pro, two of the top teams in that region.
0: So it'll be interesting. And then finally, we'll finish up in Region 4. And uh, this is an interesting interesting region here. So Lorraine takes on Panther Creek. That one's 7.30 Friday night in Blackwell. Zephyr and Richland Springs battling. We talked about Zephyr uh, coming back after going 0-10 last season. They take on the Couts. Uh, at the bottom half, Cherokee and Blanket battling it out Friday at 7 o'clock in San Saba. Now, i got to ask you, we're going to get to this San Sabah thing here in a minute. And Rising Star and Blackwell battling it out Thursday night at 7 o'clock over in Trent. So when you look at this region, is it Lorraine? Is it Cherokee? Does Richardson Springs surprise everybody, even though they are the runner-up uh, to Cherokee? You know, I, it's a good question. Or does Zephyr surprise everybody?
1: I uh, I don't know. i I got to go with... Um cherokee really because i watched them play and they're really really tough so i i gotta go with cherokee coming out of region four have we done that we we've kind of done that for some of the regions but not all of yeah, them yeah
0: we have we have so i i gotta uh, just a side note here for folks and uh, i i guess this would we could make this part of lehman's six man 101 if we want to but uh, cherokee and blanket doing battle friday night at seven o'clock in san Saba. The San Saba field is a little bit interesting if you've not heard this story. It was built on an old graveyard.
1: It was I saw, I read that story a few weeks ago uh someone put it out on Twitter. Yeah, it was it was and sometimes they say they find bones there, which is a little
0: scary. That you know I, what do you do if you if you're uh, you know you're the coach, and all of a sudden, a player comes over and says, Coach, I found this on the field while we were playing. I don't know if anybody might want it or not. You know, it's it, it's interesting. It is just a I, fascinating story. It is
1: a fascinating story. And um, I don't think that bones just come up out of the ground. <laughs> I don't really think that happens. Uh, but, I mean, it's, you know, they found some there. But it's just the story. And, you and you know it's kind of spooky we just finished with spooky season with you know halloween and everything so um i think it's it's really cool don't they call the graveyard? isn't that on the sign above the field i don't know they might I-, I believe i saw a picture and it said the graveyard wow so uh folks from <laughs> Cherokee and Blanket let us know if that's above the field and and keep us updated on that
0: that's just crazy. It absolutely it is, is crazy. So there's a look it's at
1: Texas. It it's is Texas. Def- it
0: is definitely Texas. So that's a look at all the playoff action. I know you got a couple of notes. Uh, you were there at uh, uh, the Balmoray Sanderson game and you got a good one there.
1: I do. And you know, Balmoray played their last game Thursday night on their infamous grass field, the Bears den. And I'm not going to lie to you, Craig, I almost shed a tear. It was sad. You know, it's surrounded by tall pine trees. And the assistant coach for Balmeray told me he had been painting the lines on that field for 27 years. And Thursday was the last time he would ever paint it. And when he started painting it, those pine trees were all little. Wow. and so it's a really cool place the way they used to water it it's built like a perfect bowl and they just fill it with water (laughs) and the grass is awesome they have grass um but anyways in the midst of my almost shedding a tear then i heard the announcer the pa announcer for the bears and let me tell you craig he is absolutely fabulous i believe he's a history teacher there at valmaray and some of the things that he said just made me laugh out loud when I was taking pictures. But at one point uh, during or right after a play happened, he said, well, that wasn't as big a catastrophe as it could have been. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was great. Oh, as, as, a, Another, par- as a parent, I, th- I feel like we uh, might say that a lot ourselves. Could
1: I, I think I think so, but he just took it one step further, and he said it out loud. I don't know if he meant to or not, but it was funny, and I did laugh. Uh, speaking of, um, another thing that came up this week that I saw that I thought was very interesting was the Highway 83 rivalry, and that's between Eden and Menard, and get this. They each have shirts for that one game. Wow. So correct me if I'm wrong, Craig, but I really consider that dedication to buy a one-game T-shirt.
0: That's what you call a rivalry if you're doing that.
1: Oh, yeah. It's an important one, um, especially as Menard as is six-man now.
0: That, that is interesting. And a final note you got here, uh, shout-out to Coach Reed over in Klondike. He got his 50th career win this past Friday night, so good for him.
1: Yeah, I'm very proud of him. Um, he's been there for, what, six years now? Five, six, seven years now. And so he got his 50th career win, and um, I know that's an exciting time over there for the Klondike Cougars.
0: It is. Well, as much as people want to talk about football, let's move on to the other sports going on in six-man. It is a busy time of the year. State cross-country was run a Saturday I guess you would say around noon. 11.40 for the girls, 12.10 for the boys there at uh, Round Rock at the old Settlers Park. And we'll start on the girls' side. No surprise, Tatum Goodman wins the race in 11 minutes and 11 seconds. Uh, Shaley Strasner from Miller Grove was second at 12.26. That margin of victory, Bobby, is the largest mm-hmm. margin of victory of any classification in the history of cross country.
1: Yeah, she set a record, didn't she? Yes. A state record? Yes. So this is the second year in a row she has set a state record. What, what Last year she she set the state record for time. I think she ran a 10:54.
0: Times were a little slower this year. I I did notice that, but uh, you know, Did they have
1: a lot of rain and stuff on the course though? They
0: did, and I will tell you as you came down the downhills, it was a little slick, but you know how how tight they've got the the hairpin turns there and uh, you definitely had to pay attention to what you were doing. There was a little bit of mud flying, not like the mud fest of several years ago, uh, but it was definitely uh, a little bit damp and uh, a little slick in areas, so the racers definitely had to be uh, cautious of that. But, you know, the one thing I've I've noticed with with Tatum, I just wonder what it's like to be the number two racer because you're so used to following the the pace, uh, you know, four-wheel vehicle in front, and they're nowhere to be found. You better know the the course, or you're going to get lost.
1: Well, yeah, there's that. (laughs) I I don't think Tatum's going to get lost, though, because this was her third year there. (laughs) No,
0: definitely not. The uh, rest of the finishers there in the top ten, Jace Chisholm from Jayton, Sydney Parton from Pretty, Abriella Villanueva, also of Spring Lake Earth, Gabriela Sanchez from Buena Vista, Andrea Garcia from Marfa, Um, Umi Chanez from Marfa, Madison Tyler from Laz Buddy and Bucky Smith from Spur round out the top ten. And the top five teams this year, Miller Grove, number one, Naz two, Spring Laker three, Roby four, and Jayton five. Naz really jumping up there, had a really good race. They lost to Miller Grove by two points. That's how close it was between number one and number two in this one. And uh, a real quick uh, shout out to my niece. She led that Nazareth team, uh, Madison Brockman. She finished twentieth in the race for the Swiftets there.
1: Wow, oh, that's cool. I bet that was good. I wanted to go, but you know, work kind of kept me from that. But and of course, football.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it it gets in the way. Well, I tell you uh, what. Yeah,
1: but I want. But it, you know, they had it online, so it was it was great to watch them and. Um, I had someone ask me if I was going to post this and I finally did post it on our Facebook page, but you know, we have so much stuff that we have in line to post and, and I hated that I couldn't get this out there quicker, but we are so proud of these cross country kids because cross country is an extremely difficult sport. I know people say, Oh, they're just running. No, that's not all that's involved. And you know they these kids have stamina and you have to have a little bit of heart to do this sport
0: you do well most of these kids are running anywhere from uh, probably 2 to 5 miles i'm sure uh, different schools have different regimens but uh, 2 to 5 miles 5 days a week usually and they're usually running it early in the morning before school so it's difficult i mean you're you're talking about kids getting up at at 5:30 in the morning they're hitting the trails by 6:15 And then attending school all day. I I know how tired I was, and I didn't run in the morning like that. So you know I hear you. We ran after school, so so it's it's impressive there. On the boys' side, and let me tell you something. Speaking of impressive, Tate Cormier from Erion County was impressive. He wins the boys in sixteen twenty-five, a full thirty-five seconds ahead of number two, Austin Magnus from Paint Rock. Cormier was running really well on the course and he didn't have as big a lead as Tatum did, but it, it, it kind of felt that way at the same time. He was running by himself and did a fantastic job there. Uh, Jose Ventura from La Serra finished number three. Then Josh Garvin from Slide L Riker. Okay, you say that last name. We're going to call him Riker. That works for me for Miller Crow. Haivala? Pavela,
1: I think. Havala. I don't know. Hey, there you I'm go. I'm sure. You know, someone from Miller Grove, let us know how to say Riker's last name. We'd love to know that.
0: Great job, Riker. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, Griffith Real from Jayton, Gunnar Tarver from Saltillo, Wiley Gaskins from Sands, Landon Cobb from Grayford. and Brandon Timms from Run TMC McMullen County finishes out the top 10. And then when you look at the top five boys' teams, Saltillo takes it, Miller Grove second, Jayton third, Slidell four, and Moulton five. And, uh, the teams down south really dominating the boys cross country this year
1: they did they did. They came out ready to run at the state meet in route rock so shout out to Saltillo for winning a championship on the boys side and miller grove for winning a championship on the girls side
0: exactly and uh, uh you know i you talked about something earlier and I, I'm gonna bring it up real quick, but when we talk about the estate cross country meet, one thing that really irked me, one A was the last school to run on Saturday afternoon and they couldn't tear the course and everything down fast enough. And I thought, you know, I just that 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 bothered me a little bit because one A was it and it was like, okay, you're done now. Leave, please. It was kind of a brutal situation, so Like, like,
1: don't let the door hit you.
0: Exactly. I don't know. It just, uh, yeah. It, it wasn't the best of thing, you know. Cause there's, there's the big tower that's got like the signs up that say UIL State Cross Country Championships. They were tearing it down. So those that were trying to get pictures in front of it, it was difficult. You better have gotten there because you didn't get much opportunity to do that. So just hated to see that. But uh, otherwise, things were really good there. You know, they do a good job. There's so many people show up for that thing. Uh, They had the Mm -hmm. course laid out well. But uh, that's just my my personal two cents laid in there, Bobby.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what? That's what this podcast is for, right? Exactly. I mean, we ask people for their opinions and to write in. Again, I'll I'll go ahead and tell you all, listening, texas one Fan at gmail.com. You got a story or a comment, send it to us. Definitely. So so this is a good place to do that. I mean, I was sassy earlier, so now <laughs> it's your turn.
0: Well, I'm a little sassy about that one. And let's go to <laughs> volleyball, and uh, let's take a look. We're down to the final 16 teams in the state. The regional quarterfinal round begins Monday.
1: And it's a good one. We've got, let's see, in Region 1, Buena Vista versus Klondike on Tuesday at Midland Christian. And then we have Aspermont versus Very Best Tuesday at Jim Ned. Uh, prior to this podcast, I tried to get the Van horn uh game. They have not set that yet. They're trying to. I mean, there's a lot of mileage between those two towns. There is so I a understand whole that.
0: lot of mileage.
1: Yes, and then Bront and Rankin was trying to finalize. And what's funny is as as soon as I get off, you know, we finish recording this podcast. I'll look again because that's what I do. (laughs) And it'll probably be there. So um, that's for Region 1. Grayford and Northside meet Monday at Alney. Evant and Strawn play in Dublin. Harold and Benjamin play Tuesday in Archer City. Rochelle and Lingleville play Monday at Brownwood High School. Down in Region 3, Avery and Blum play Tuesday at Maybank. Abbott and Bynum play at Frost on Monday. Dodd City plays St. Joe and Penelope plays Miller Grove on Tuesday. Both of those games are at 6.30. Down in region four, and we had a little shakeup in region four because guess what?
0: I don't Nitches, see. Yeah, I said I don't see Fayetteville here.
1: Natchez took out Fayetteville in the area round. So, uh, Natchez will face Richards at 5 30 on Tuesday at Buffalo High School. What a such a Texas high school name. <laughs> uh, Roundtop Carmine plays North Zulch. Tuesday at Brenham High School. San Isidro plays Henis Tuesday at 6 o'clock at Kennedy High School. And rounding out Region 4, McMullen County. They're in it every year uh, against San Perlita Tuesday at 6 o'clock in Alice. But um, I understand that Brooklyn Yeager was injured in the bi-district match. And so our Thoughts and prayers go out to Brooklyn. She was an incredible, incredible volleyball player. I, I You should see that girl jump. It's it's incredible. Um, one of our photographers got pictures of her in the state tournament last year, and they were just, I couldn't believe that. she She has a vertical leap like nobody's business, let me tell you. <laughs> so volleyball, we're going to have the regional quarterfinal round this Monday and Tuesday. And so the regional tournament will take place Thursday and Friday of this coming week. And keep your eye on the volleyball webpage because I've already got those matchups sitting out there so you can kind of see when it is. I do not know the times on those yet, but as soon as I have them, I'll add them. Um, This is a good time to talk about, you know, this is that week that is crazy, crazy because we got. State cross country, football playoffs, volleyball playoffs. And guess what? Basketball started, Craig, for the girls. And the boys are scrimmaging. Do what? Basketball, huh? Basketball, yes.
0: Hard to believe. So,
1: one thing that I, I do want to do, There's uh, before we get to six, leaving six Man 101, there's two things, actually. Number one, <clears throat> we love to give results for for basketball games football games volleyball games whatever Um, and it's it would be really nice if you guys could send them to them to us Uh, we do have a uh, a population of people who do send us uh, scores and results and uh, you know where playoff games are and stuff like that And I want to stop right now and give those people a shout out because I appreciate it way more than they know I try to thank them many times. But if you're out there listening to this, don't be shy. Send us scores, especially uh, basketball. Um, I have been, yes, going through every 1A website, school website, trying to find basketball schedules because no one sends them in. (laughs) (laughs) So I I just stalk the school websites. I'm really good at finding them. Um, But sometimes, you know, those school websites aren't aren't updated. So that's that's my number one thing. And my my big, huge plea for help, um, because if I don't have the information, I can't get it out to everyone. And I know everyone would love to see it. My number two, and this is a little bit more serious. We have had, especially in football. Uh, a lot of games that have had to change from a Friday night lights type of situation to Thursday because of the ref so- shortage. And I know I've said this before, and I don't really want to get on my box. I just really want to to put out a plea to people because I've heard this at many, many games this season, and and I just hate hearing it. Folks, players are human. They're going to make mistakes refs are human they're going to make mistakes but when you actively blame the refs for the outcome of a game it somehow sullies the whole experience i know it's hard i it's it's so hard not to say something and you know they're not doing it on purpose they're just they're not
0: but bobby they hate my team (sighs)
1: it's just you know there's one town uh, I shouldn't even say this but I'm going to because it's been really on my my mind here lately but I have there's one town that everything that happens is always the ref's fault whether it was the ref's fault or not and it makes I love going to every single six-man town but I don't want to go back to this one because it's so bad and it's constant. And I know some people are out there saying, oh, well, you should just ignore that. You know, and, well, after you hear it so much, you just don't want to you just don't want to hear that. You know,
0: I, I hear. So, you.
1: so before basketball and I know this is a big topic on Twitter and stuff about, you know, the refing shortage and stuff. And I hate to get on my box, but it's really a plea to people to please, please be fair It's not the refs fought all the time. Yes, they make mistakes. You make mistakes. I make mistakes. And let me tell you, I make plenty of them. But be gracious. Be gracious. Be supportive. Because, folks, we're coming down. It's getting worse every year. And we're getting to the point where we may not have games, any games, because there's no refs.
0: No you you you're correct there it is amazing that ref shortage and you just can't get people to do it anymore and it's 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 a byproduct of the abuse that they're taking
1: It is abusive because I was so upset after hearing an entire game of that that I decided personally not to ever visit that town again That's that's how bad it is
0: So you can That's all...
1: how bad it is so... and I hate that I hate that but I'm just not going to listen to it anymore.
0: Well, I can I can tell you the refs can hear it. Uh, I covered uh, a game a Thursday night, and I could hear everything that was said from the stand. So I'm I'm sure the referees can hear it as well. So we we got to keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, just just please be gracious, folks. Um, that's that's all I can ask. To <laughs> please be gracious. So so. With that, let me just I, I promised I wouldn't get on my box. I kind of did, and I'm sorry, but uh let's move on to Lehman's Six Man 101 because this is really interesting. He decided to give me some information on the history of six man playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna talk about the UIL playoffs. So in 1938, UIL sanctioned six man, nineteen thirty eight to nineteen forty. There were no playoffs. You were just out there playing. 1941 to 1948, there was a bi-district round only. And then 1949 to 1971, there were two rounds. There was a bi-district round and a regional round. Um, it wasn't until 1972 that they expanded that to hold state playoffs. How interesting is that?
0: That's very Interesting. 1972. Yeah, and and I will tell you that didn't just involve um, six-man. That also was Class B, and I think maybe even Class A. It was 1972 before they expanded the playoffs to go to, uh, you know, all the way to truly settle out a state champion. Hard to believe 1972 was only 50 years ago.
1: Oh, I know. Isn't that crazy? I love these history lessons that Lehman gives me. Yeah. in 2006, they decided to do the two-division format. Um, and then, let's see, he indicates there were 12 by district games in 1941. Um, winners included only one current six-man team. Can you guess who that was?
0: Well, it's in front of me, so it's kind of not fair to, to, to guess that. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's Prairie Lee.
1: <laughs> ding 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 ding. <laughs> Good job. Um uh, but uh, you know back in 1941 Harland was a six man by district champ that year.
0: Wow. And that's a <laughs> that's what crazy. a 5A or 6A school now.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. In 1949 there were 24 district champs, 12 by district champs. There were 11 games played with one default winner. There were six regional championship games, and of the six regional champions, champs, um, only one still plays six-man, and that is Grand Falls royalty. And I love uh, Lehman's notes. He says, of note, Weinert beat Groover in Region 1, to 8-6. And in Region 3, Dripping Springs beat Moselle 20 to 6. I think I remember That's those games, cool. right? Yeah. What?
0: <laughs> I think I remember those games.
1: Oh, yeah. I think I was, I, I don't know, maybe in diapers. <laughs> um, just gave my age, but oh, well, age is just a number. It is. <laughs> in 1941, there were 26 district champs, but only 12 by district champs in 11 games played. Pottsville, won by district via forfeit by TELPA, and districts 13 and 14 decided not to play their playoff game for whatever reason.
0: They're ready to get to basketball.
1: Obviously. Uh, Groom, there's a name for you that we've talked about today. Groom was district one champ in 1941 and was D2 district champ in 2022. All right. Um... He also indicates that Van Horn is the only 2022 playoff team that also man, made the six-man playoffs in 1949, and they lost to Grand Falls in by district.
0: And then, your, a, And then your final note is maybe the best of all.
1: Oh, well, you know, Lehman always saves the best for last. 1949 playoff game of note. 2022 GO school Oakland Union defeated 2022 6A playoff team Allen in by district and they won 60 to 38.
0: It is absolutely amazing when you look at some of these 5A and 6A schools to know that they started in six man.
1: They did. <laughs> they did. They started this one's well, and another thing that's really cool about this is some of these towns. Um, that played each other back in the 40s one of the towns the school is now a ghost school it doesn't exist anymore and then the other team may be a five or six a school that's just so interesting to me it
0: is very interesting well that's a look at Lehman's six-man 101 football playoffs volleyball playoffs state cross country basketball around the corner Hang on, folks, because it is going to be a wild ride over the next six weeks as we uh, march down to a state champion in a football in both Division I and Division II. Volleyball will be doing the same thing as far as one champion there. And basketball will be in full swing before we know it. And Mother Nature let us know it's that time of the year as it brought snow to the Texas Panhandle this last Friday night. So let's get out of here. <laughs> For the Backroads Podcast, I'm Craig Sperry with the Happy Sports Network. And I'm Bobby
1: Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Remember, go forward and do good.